Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Funny, but not totally bullshit. <laughs> this is correct, though. Okay, so. Don't you want your things? Five, four, three, two, one, key. G'day viewers, Radio Hot Lap, episode number 60. Sorry, it's been a little bit of a while since we got together with you. Um, yes, I know, viewers, but we have a version for the listeners, the listeners who have video capabilities coming up to you that we've done between episode 59 and 60, so we'll sort of call that episode 60.5, even though we'll actually, on the show, which we've already done, but we haven't processed, is 59. Today with me is Lars Eric Nielsen. Lars, how are you? I'm feeling excellent. A nice place here in France to be at. It is a lovely place here, and I'm here also with uh, your daughter, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hello. <laughs> Christina is uh, into go-karting, and we're going to get along to that a little bit later. Pity you're not in the same sport yourself, son. Uh, kind of. Just uh, a little bit bigger. The um, long-distance motor racing. Yes, and also uh, Mademoiselle Bris Vegas has arrived from uh, the uh, southern parts of Australia, the, the Clouster. Hey. <laughs> Hello, viewers. <laughs> so here we are, viewers, in southern France, uh, very close to San Rafael. Uh, and it's an, actually a very interesting part of the world, a little, uh, little place called Agay. Um, on the headland to the left is uh, an island, which uh, the translation is the Isle, Island of Gold. Um, and it's a little bay which has some historic value, Lars. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it seems that uh, some of the American troops in the Second World War got it figured out. So uh, they landed the troops here about um, a week or two later than um, the actual D-Day. I think that's pretty smart, uh, always to come after the rush. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Good idea. Well, on with the show, but before, as we traditionally do in, in the Southern Hemisphere, and we've done a few Northern Hemisphere versions, um, with none other than your friend, Alan Simonson, who this weekend is not the Alan Simonson show, it's the Lars Nielsen show, the Lars Eric Nielsen show, uh, with Christina. Um, we always have a drink. So, what are you having this afternoon, Lars? I will be having a Kronborg, uh, which is a French beer, and it's going to go like this. Uh, uh, really good. Miss Bris Vegas, no doubt will be There's having one, one as well. Same. Uh, Christina, you're having a nice. Uh, what are you having over there? Uh, I'm drinking iced tea. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. I hear it's worth a second a lap. It certainly is. <laughs> Gets it quicker and quicker. Some provincial olives, which are really good. Um, they look pretty good, Lars. We went to the to the supermarket yesterday because we had a few people around and. Um, I made a couple of notes and a couple of cue sheets here for you because you know you're not, not really uh, uh, familiar with the way we do things here at um, Radio Hot Lap. And um, 
Mate, it, it, it was interesting, you know, we, we, we go out in front of your place, which is right on the water here with a lovely view. Um, a bit of a noisy bloke next door using his power tools, in fact. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, all-famous uh, Mishihilti, uh, the manufacturer of uh, power tools that uh, goes worldwide as uh, probably the number one brand in power tools. And um, rewinding viewers, I suppose we should just give you a quick overview about Lars and what, what, he, what he's up to. Um, is, uh, Lars was uh, Alan Simonson's co-driver at Le Mans 24 Hour along with uh, Lucky Pierre, Eric, um, and the, the three of them came third, uh, backing up a couple of weeks later at the Nürburgring 1000 where you also got a third. Yeah. And our friend with the smartest sunnies, Mr. Cool, uh, Alan Simonson. Won, yeah. the, won the round, but we'll get to that little bit. Yeah, he needed he needed a win. He was so down for only third place at Le Mans, so we thought we'll uh, give him a chance to um, go and break a new record. And um, so we had him in as uh, number one. He did very well indeed, and we're going to get on to the Nurburgring 1000 uh, review later. But uh, we went down the road and, and and through a little tunnel, and then suddenly I felt like I was in the Australian outback, and then suddenly. There's the big chicken shop. It was the best chicken shop I've ever seen. Um, but also a fairly uh, good butcher that we ended up picking up probably uh, the world's most expensive piece of meat last night. Well, Would you like to tell me how that just came about? 123 euros? It was, it was only 123, so he, he gave us a discount, didn't he? Yeah, well, <laughs> the horse is still missing. <laughs> it was a big one, but um, yeah. When you buy um, a meter and a half worth of, uh, of meat, then uh, you would expect to, um, to pay a, a hefty uh, price. But it's okay, um, we enjoyed it. Of course, you, you saved, you saved um, the best piece for, for us today, uh, which I think is pretty nasty because they were kind people but uh, they didn't know better, so it's <laughs> That's okay. not what you told me. <laughs> but uh, Lars, uh, you know, uh, we had a little bit of a chat earlier on uh, yesterday about barbecues, because this is a show about technology, a mm -hmm. podcast on iTunes Music Store about technology, barbecues, and emerging technology, and a light-hearted look at the world of motor racing. And I think with you today, and, and Christina, and uh, Miss Bris Vegas, we'll obviously have a little bit of something to throw in there. Yeah. As the jet flies over, it's not a little jet, it's a little plane. It's like, you know a little bit about planes, what is this? It's a single engine plane. Little pisser. <laughs> drive, drive we'll nuts here. We'll get on to that later. So, um, uh, we were saying, uh, that's right, that yeah. the barbecue etiquette was that, you know, you don't touch a barbecue of someone else's. I didn't. I know you I, didn't. I merely advised you. And you quite, and quite rightly so. And but the but the but the worst scenario was a gas bottle that could run out. Yet a backup was in store, of but course. the bottle did run out. Yeah, but we were there but with we a new one. We it took about thirty seconds, and we had the fire going again. It was a little bit difficult to work that out because not only did we lose heat, the Maurice Lacroix sundial also failed. Yeah, that's true. But uh, they'll probably give us a new watch. In this part of the world, it seems that uh, people drink rosé more so than red wine. It's quite a nice soft drink, and after the, the week I've spent at the wedding in uh, Montalcino, drinking Brunello, which is a Sangiovese grape, I, I realised that we've been drinking some terrible stuff in Australia for lunch. 
Yeah, it's like they didn't know they didn't have the best part of the meat yesterday because they didn't get to see it. <laughs> well, Rosé is Rosé. Um, it's uh, half breed between uh, the uh, the white wine and the red wine, they say. But it's actually about when um, when the shells comes off the grapes um, in the fermentation. And uh, usually it's a very light wine. It's a byproduct in many ways and therefore it's fairly inexpensive. Well, could you keep your manners, please? Mate, five euros for a bottle. I think, I, you know, I'm surprised that I think the wine and, and, and the whole experience of travelling in Europe and eating has actually been much cheaper than things at home. I, I don't know whether it's our dollar or against the euro, because I know the Americans are doing it tough, but it just things, things seem cheaper than I expected. Well, that's uh, because you are travelling or have been travelling in, uh, in Italy and, and France and uh, food products here are more reasonable, so it's a good place to visit. Except butchers. Except butchers, when they see you and me together. That's when the price went up. Let's go back to Le Mans 24 hour. Um, we've had a bit of a chat to Alan about it, but uh, mate, you've got some stories to tell about that. Uh, the previous year, you had actually led the GT2 category in a 996 GT3 RSR, only to have a, um, a, a transmission component failure in the second last hour to um, yeah. cause you to pit and the uh, the panels LNT, not even the factory car, um, Esperanto to come through for the win, but you to come second. Yeah, they were coughing along there. Uh, they're usually slow pace and um, bad drivers and whatnot. No, they're actually pretty good, um, but they had a slower pace. We were like, we were leading by six laps um, at that point in time, which is a little bit more than 30 minutes. And um, yeah, we had uh, a gear lever break. Um, our co-driver, Parked the car, fixed it um, with a steel hanger and um, a piece of plastic from, uh, from inside the car. We wanted to get out again, but then um, he came from Germany and this was a French post. So I guess there was this argument about who won the war or who shouldn't remember who about what happened uh, 45 years ago. Anyway, the, um, the uh, guard stopped him so he couldn't get onto the track and he actually lost two laps, more than eight minutes trying to get back onto the track until he just got in the car. The, um, uh, the flagman jumped away and he went back onto the track and uh, just in time to see the Panas go by. So um, a wild chase took place. He um, slid off um, slightly, um, crashed the, the rear of the car, but um, was able to, um, to continue and we finished second. Well, after leading half an hour, by half an hour, we, we lost by 1 minute 55. But we came second. Moving forward one year, the weather was not in uh, in, your, in anyone's favour, but it was the same for everyone. It Started wet, finished wet. In fact, quite an odd occurrence for yeah. a safety car up until 10 minutes before the end in pouring rain when they said, let's have another race for 10 minutes. A bit like Australian V8 supercar, one lap sprint. Yeah, yeah. But um, actually it wasn't that bad. Um, television makes it worse than it is. Um, Yes, you were driving uh, with your dear life, um, trying to hang on on the Mulsanne straight at 300, which is fine because you have a lot of downforce. The problem is the transition level between 100 and 250. That's when you have aquaplaning. And um, well, after the, uh, the first uh, chicane and the second chicane, of course, you have to accelerate from about 90 up to uh, the, uh, the close to 300 and then back down. So yes, you are aquaplaning and it is, uh, it is quite dangerous. So they decided this year, to um, to call out the uh, the safety car for a little bit more than an hour, but um, my good friend Alan managed to um, to drive straight through the tire wall 
um, and uh, rip off the nose, most of the roof and the rear wing. Um, we kept him going for two laps while we collected the spare parts and then called him in with low water pressure. Um, and there were about 15 people, including the absolute top people from Porsche who would, who or may not have had a wrench or a screwdriver in their hand for the last 10 years. They were all under car, making sure that the Ferrari uh, that was coming up behind us wouldn't overtake us. And um, we managed to get out again and um, come in third place. So you could say it's one down from last year, but I feel personally that last year we lost first place. Uh, but this year we won a third place, so it's quite satisfying. It was a, uh, a, a very much a team effort and, and some quick thinking on, on your behalf and, and, and many others around you to analyse the situation of Alan. But there was one problem was that you were not sure where he was on the track. But I believe your, your, your daughter Christina has the, uh, the answer to that. What, what, what should your father have done on the radio to Alan? Um, I would say that he should have asked Alan instead of asking the mechanics. Yeah, pretty annoying to have such a logical daughter. But I was asking the team manager, and he was supposed to know where the car was. He couldn't tell me, and um, I was there trying to um, to find out about the water pressure and how far we could go. And um, then two weeks later, I tell Christina this story, and she just comes up with the obvious question: Why didn't you ask uh, Alan? Well, I'll do that next time, ma'am. Uh, just for the viewers, uh, viewers' sake, GT2 category does not have telemetry, it's not allowed, and hence there is no data coming back to the car, uh, to the pit from the car to be able to analyse what is going on, if that is correct. I think GT1 does allow that. Yes. Um, so, and even though with telemetry you do get blackouts in different parts of the circuit, but <laughs> it's just down to the old-fashioned communication and Morse code. Yeah, well, what? We'll manage anyway, and um, it was a good race. Um, rain is always difficult. I usually say I hate rain less than other people and um, it's usually like this. They stick me in the car when it's either very dark or very rainy. You had a couple of moments uh, uh, during the, uh, the event. Firstly, <laughs> the very first practice session uh, or qualifying session on the Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Um, I believe the one of the Lamborghinis had uh, had a, or the only Lamborghini had 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 a bit of a mishap somewhere past the first chicane. There might have been some some uh, carbon fibre debris on the ground. Um, you you had a moment there. Well, yeah, I was um, tugging happily along at um, 285, and uh, in the rain, by the way, and then. Um, just applying, slowly. Yeah, just slowly there. Tunneling along. Yeah, yeah, you know, minding my own business. Um, getting ready to, uh, to break right after the 200 meter point um, at uh, the second chicane for the Mulsan, just to find that um, the tire exploded and I lost uh, all the air and it appears uh, at the computer, on the computer later. In three tenths of a second it went from, from full to totally flat. So um, I went through the tire wall uh, that was there and uh, I told Alan that he shouldn't do it, but he apparently opted to do what I did rather to do what I told him to do. But that's youngsters, you know. Well, you see, when you get a tire wall that isn't made of Pirellis, what do you expect? Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. good, the Pirelli guys were yeah. great, as were the Porsche guys, providing I, wonderful support to the but team. I, yes, and I have, I have to say that um, he was much better at it than I was. Uh, my damage was only 11,500 euros, his was 24,600 euros. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we've got the receipts to prove it, viewers. But, uh, you know, it is pretty hard to be able to do, you know, to, to fathom how you can have that sort of a accidental shunt and um, do such a symmetrical symmetrical hit of the tyres that you didn't take out either radiators. <laughs> I mean, would that have added to the bill? I think so. Yeah. Well, sometimes you're lucky. You think it's easy to, to finish these races, um, but the fact is that more than 20%, up to one-third of, uh, of the race cars actually will not make it to the finish. And people... I've, I've been driving Le Mans for the past four years, and I've been in the top five um, at, at all the times. Uh, it seems easy, but it, it is not easy. Just to come home is, is an amazing ordeal. Um, a fellow Dane uh, came by uh, my tent as I was uh, cleaning up, and I said, so, what do you think of your first third place here? And he said, you know, I've been here for five years, so this is the first time I finished the race. So just to finish the race was, was awesome. And that made me think about how difficult it actually is. You get quickly spoiled when, when you have a good product like Porsche, because it will take you through if you're careful. And careful is not easy in a Le Mans. It must be difficult to, to, to steal your mind uh, for an event of this duration, because what starts out as something I so much want to get in this race car, towards the end you're going, do I have to get in it? How do you keep the motivation going? Well, um, first of all, it's not quite like that. The worst point in time is uh, about uh, between 5.30 and 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, that's when you're really, really tired. You, uh, you're being called out for a stint after maybe half an hour, one hour sleep, and you're not ready. You, uh, you look at the, the breakfast table, and everybody can have whatever they want. I can only have pasta and tomatoes. And, uh, What's that's, the deal with that? Well, it's, um, it's good for me. Okay. My physio my tells me. It works me. for you. Right? Yeah, it works for me. It works for everybody else. Um, so, driving along uh, at Le Mans, there's the Porsche curves. And as I arrive at the Porsche curves, around 5.30 to 6 o'clock. In the morning? In the morning, yeah. There's this distinct, distinct smell or, uh, yeah, smell of, of bacon. Because between the left side and the right side, they have the British camp and the Danish camp. And they both have tons of bacon for breakfast. And so it's really, really nice the first time around. The second time you get very, very hungry and you rush around to, to, to smell it the third time. Uh, is, uh, your, is your laptop better on, on well, the third? The, lap, yeah, on the that, third time, yes, yeah, because okay. yeah, I'm, I'm dreaming that I can actually have real breakfast. <laughs> by the time I, I could pass by the fourth to the fifth time, I'm so sick of the smell that not only do we do 240 top fourth gear, uh, in the Porsche curbs, hanging on to dear life, but I'm also doing it now without breathing because it just can't stand the smell after three or four laps. Bacon quickly becomes too much. <laughs> that's uh, that's a pretty funny story. Now moving on. Anyway, congratulations on uh, on getting on the podium there, um, uh, and um, moving on next year. Alan was the fifth person to get on the podium, fifth Danish person to um, to get on the podium ever. So. Um, is that right? Lucky youngster. Historically, we mm -hmm. have the probably now the the most celebrated uh, winning driver, Tom Christensen. Absolutely. Special K as yeah. seven times. Seven times Le Mans winner uh, and in the top class. And has eclipsed even Jackie X. Passed him. Um, so that's wonderful. 
uh, only strengthening the Australian-Danish relationship even yeah. further with uh, Mary being on loan to you yeah, for a little absolutely. while from Tasmania. Yeah. Um, who are the other famous Danish drivers? Well, I think um, in, in order of importance, uh, Jan Magnussen is certainly um, uh, yes, the no, second I'll most. Yes, Jan well. And then, of course, um, John Nielsen is the Danish race driver that's done the Mung the most times. Um, also a stint with panels. Yeah, and uh, he's been onto the podium as well. And then um, there's now um, me, little old me, that's been there twice, um, Alan. And not to forget Casper um, Elgar, one of the new uh, stars in, rain, in, in racing in Denmark. He, um, he's been there a couple of times, but never been able to finish. And uh, this time he was driving with, uh, with Aston Martin and uh, did a very, very um, honorable third place. Casper uh, yeah, was uh, in a bit of a shootout with, with Alan Simonson earlier in the year at Aston Martin down at Paul Ricard at the high speed test track. Um, anyway, it's good to see that you know he got the GT1 drive. Yeah. But they both got on the podium, so that's a, you know a great, great it result. Danes, Danes, Danes. Right. And it was good, wasn't it, to see that Tom managed to make it back from the the injury um, and that the really uh, bad accident he had in the the, the DTM. A couple of um, couple of months prior, yeah, it was really uh, reassuring and, and nice to see that he that he came back and in a good humor. So uh, that's probably the best that could happen to uh, to him, of course, the family and Le Mans. So um, as a good friend, uh, I treasure his uh, his input and his friendship, and it made me very very happy to see him back at Le Mans. Yep. We'll move on to the Nurburgring 1000 a couple mm -hmm. of a couple of weeks later, um, a little bit later, but. Hey, What's with your shitty mobile phone? You, you've been bitching and moaning that the thing's just crap. What, what is it? Maybe you need to get one of these new Apple iPhones. Well, the thing with the Apple iPhone is that it has a touchscreen as well. And you can't feel with your, thing, with your fingers, with your thumb, what digit you're actually pressing. And that's exactly what I have with, uh, with the HCC right now. I used to have a Nokia and um, can you imagine? I just sat on it very quietly and it broke. I mean, I'm not that big, but um, it broke anyway and uh, it survived for another month and then finally it did despite um, and uh, well, I had to, uh, to borrow one. Now, maybe tomorrow or the day after tomorrow I will get my new Nokia. Are you and getting an N95? I am. Ah, oh, that's a big screen. You're trying to beat my, my camera. Like my current camera here, which is not that, a phone. No, no that's not the one actually, by the way, it's not. It's the big one, which just does yes. Google Maps. Yes, I'm not doing it because that's also a touchscreen. Oh. I'll have the new communicator. Oh, the, with the, key, the full yeah. open up, yeah. full QWERTY keyboard. Yeah, that's what I like. Well, that's going to be good because your SMS skills are getting a lot better. You're learning about how to condense things down. Yeah. And you've been learning a few new words. Well, don't test me on these because they're not for the public. But I can say GR8. But Christina, you would know more about SMSing and, and certainly being able to GR8, great. Yes, you, you would know how to condense words down. Have you been giving your dad a few tips? Um, yeah, I have, but not much. And they're mostly in Danish, so they would be difficult to explain here in, uh, yeah. in uh, the Aussie podcast. Yes, they would. And in fact, we won't go into some of the, uh, the terminology that you've been learning from me just recently. But now it's time. To, to go talk to Christina about a bit of kart racing, if you if you'd like, because Christina, 
Is, is in her second or third year of car racing? Well, third year. Cart. Cart. Cart with a K. Yeah, Very. not India. It's not quite there yet. Um, but um, she started out three years ago and um, had a little bit of taste for, for actual competition last year. But this year, she's gone full-blown uh, with the Danish Championship and European uh, Roadsters Max Junior, which is not only European, it's actually worldwide. People even from Australia arrives, New Zealand, India, the States. America. So it's much, much more. Christina, tell us about your experience. How much fun are you having? Uh, a lot of fun. I love the competition and the fight that you have and the starts. It's a big adren adrenaline kick. Recently yeah. you uh, you started from position five and it wasn't long before the few people in front of you fell off the road from, from the pressure that you were putting on from behind them for you to lead. Yeah, I guess it was uh, pure luck, but it was their mistakes. So I got in front and then I had a kind of war and got off the track. <laughs> so probably being a girl in the sport and what I've noticed in Australia from, from girls in the sport, they, they, they initially they go, yes, welcome, hello, nice to have you along, you're nice and pretty and all this sort of stuff, but ha ha ha, you're just a girl. But when you actually start to deliver on the track, they change their uh, their thinking, don't they? And they don't become quite so friendly. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, nicknames for girls, bitches, and um, they don't like us. So what do you do to counteract that? Um, push them off. Push them ah, off. <laughs> push them off. Now, um, in uh, you mentioned that Lars that she's not in indie racing, but. She, you know, I see another Danica Patrick coming along here because I can't see Danica being friends with Dan Weldon anymore after their recent indie, indie little cl clash together. Come on, what, what do you think we got to do with the boys? Just uh, oh, how do we keep them in? How do we keep them in line? Um, they need to respect uh, girls and be fair to everybody. And sometimes we push and we go and apologize. And that's good in sport, and I think that you know, you once you have that respect from them, they will then give you the racing room. Maybe that's the case, Lars, with with motorsport in general. Initially, people are are discounted until they've been had an opportunity to prove themselves, and then they go, okay, now you know, everyone's like, he's just a flash in the pan. Here for one race, go away. But when you return and you're consistent, then they will respect you and. At the end of the day, as a racing driver, both of you need a frame of reference and you benchmark yourself against other drivers. Yeah, but often um, I go and shake hands with a lot of the guys because I want them to know that we can still be friends if I push them off or they push uh, me off. Now, when you say pushing people off, is that a case of the, it's a bit of rubbing is racing? Or is it, you know, the break points are different between the carts and you just end up having a little bit of a touch? And, um, because, you know, most racing car drivers never, as wasn't my fault. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> the break points, you move them a little bit and, you know, when you overtake, you go far out in the corners. And that's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a war, right? Uh, you can be good friends, but um, the position is position. And if someone leaves the door open by an inch, you take the meter, or the 15 inches, or 30 inches. And you will say, well, you left the door open. <laughs> and, well, life goes on. I mean, gentlemen, classic racing, um, 
people have to understand that, that they are very often are hurting their own cars more than um, the opposition. Um, but the youngsters are so eager that they actually just, um, they ram ahead and um, sometimes it's, it's too much and sometimes uh, it's just going the wrong way. But um, at the end of the day they, they will learn from this and go-karting is a very, very tight, I would almost say physical sport. In a couple of weeks you're going to the next round of the European Championships in Austria. Uh, is it a track that you have been to before? Um, no, it's a new one. How much uh, practice time do you get? I understand that uh, it's not very good for your studies because it starts in the middle of the week on a Wednesday. Um, actually, I'm on school holiday right now, so it's no problem. Um, but I think we start on Wednesday, and then we practice Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, Friday we have two practices, and then there's um, qualifying. In, uh, in Denmark, the weather is obviously not so good some of the time, and especially, I believe, now in Copenhagen, it, it's, it's not good. Uh, have you had much experience or, or with, in racing in the rain? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I do have a lot of experience in rain because most of the time um, it's half sun, half raining. It seems like that uh, a lot of people from your part of the world have a great skill in rallying and I wonder is this, I've always thought maybe it comes because as a small child they, they, they got up and, and it was icy and they fell over and therefore they had to sort of work out how to slither out the front door and down the road to buy the, the loaf of bread that you just asked me to get last. Is, is this how it all works? You know, why it, are the is, Scandinavians yeah, and Danish is, like this, that? This could be a joke, but it's not. This, this is really how it is. I, you go to the finished roads and everything is sideways. Uh, and uh, that's, that's the style of, 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 of driving. Of course, you don't do it in, in, in the towns and cities, but once you get on the countryside, Oh, there's a lot of sideways driving and um, it, it calls for relaxed, focused um, way of, of handling the car. Um, but if you stiffen up, you, you're done. And I think that uh, very many times you, you'll find that, that girls are better rain drivers because they're more controlled, they're not as aggressive as the boys. And you will see that they have finer lines and they, uh, they're able to, to drive faster. Christina, just tell us about the, the, the actual, like, the mechanics of the category that you're in, like, and what the, you know, the engine setup and so on a little bit. On well, Lars, you can help here with it. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah, Come sure. on. Has it got well, any you know, gears? Is it a, oh, it's no. a Rotex engine? It's, what a Rotex, it's a Rotex engine. It's 125 uh, cc. It has about 30, 32 horsepower. That's a lot. It is that's, actually That's, a like, lot. more than, like, a, that's like a motocross bike. Yeah, it's, it is a lot. Um, it has um, restrictions on the intake valve. So, um, compared to the uh, to the Rotax Max Senior, um, it doesn't have as much torque and little less horsepower, but otherwise it's the same. And they drive basically uh, the same times as the uh, what's before was ICA Junior. It's now KF3. So, um, and they are equally competitive. I think the class uh, in in Europe is as big as the um, ICA Junior. Especially in England, it's uh, it's a huge program they're running over there. So the num what is the name of the number one premium class before a driver who would win that, like the effective world championship, world championship karting? What is that called before they move to car racing, Intercontinental A? Yeah, that's that's uh, KF1, right? Or then you have the ICC, which are the shifter cars. But in classical ra classical, classical racing, yeah. I think it's called Formula A. Yes, yeah. and. What sort of horsepower are we talking here? 
I think they're into the 40s. Okay. And, and it's not only the, for, the fact that in the 40s, um, the engines rev more, they're faster, the, the rubber is so much softer, and they just drive so much, much, so much quicker. Well, it's a pretty exciting sort of experience. And I uh, wish you well with that in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, you know, if I'm still in the, this part of the world, you know, if you haven't thrown me out, I know you want me to go. Um, I might come and have tomorrow. a Tomorrow. I might. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow, yes. <laughs> I've been singing all day. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> now, yeah. Nürburgring 1000 review for you. Yeah. Ah, uh, there is someone coming in the door to see you. Oh, uh, yes. No, no. Right. Yeah. Nurburgring 1000 review. Yes. What about it? Well, you we just another sat there. third. Another third. Yes, because With lucky Pierre. Yeah, this little twinky uh, from 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 Denmark, Mr. Simonson, Alan Simonson. Simonson says or Simmons says some, some, some taste something like that. Yeah, it's terrible, right? Uh, just like just to give him a helping hand, and then he whines and cries about only being third or travel to another part of the world. I can't Not be coming to, to this part of the world and being third. Yeah, exactly. That's typical attitude of Alan, I think. He would do that in Australia as well. But At Bathurst. At Bathurst, exactly, yes. <laughs> when you have the four-wheel drive Ferrari yeah, yeah. overland. Over, over, <laughs> over, overloaded, <laughs> overland, everything was bad. Anyways, um, he's back now in uh, his uh, little old uh, Ferrari 430. And um, it was very, very simple. We start practicing on Thursday. And... Um, Three laps in to the um, to, to the first practice, he went straight down to um, to what was to be the uh, an equal time to the qualifying time, and uh, it's just you know he was so quick out of the box. And they had a perfect car. He is a good driver, and uh, it left us with with no chance. So it was a Ferrari, and then the uh, factory uh, supported uh, factory driver supported uh, Porsche with uh, Mark Lieb and Xavier Pompidou who came second, and um, then Pierre and I came third. The uh, the Virgo Motorsport Ferrari 430 GT2 has um, enjoyed a lot of support recently from uh, Dunlop. They've been developing tyres for them. I know that Rob Bell and Allen had spent a significant amount of time down at Paul Ricard earlier in the year developing these tyres. It seems like they might have rolled out some special gumballs for that event. Yeah, that's cheating, isn't it? Only if you get caught, you know the deal. <laughs> yeah, that's really unfair. It's used. It used to be Michelin that that uh, were the fastest, but um, and last year we were in Pirelli. I mean, on Dunlops this year in Pirellis, and um, now um, we're still in Pirellis. They're not that bad, but uh, this this race saw Alan and the Ferrari and Dunlop just drive away from everybody else. Lars, you have um, in another part of the world a, a bunch of uh, planes that land on the water. Uh, what type of tyres do they use? Uh, the ones that hangs in the walls, uh, like when they go uh, ashore or um, abreast to the um, uh, to the, to the like ching shin. It will be any anything that's black, round, and we can get for a dollar piece. Um, so we won't hurt the floats. You buy that many, you get a volume discount. We get a volume discount. We bring them in by the uh, containers. So this now changes the, the dynamics of the Le Mans series uh, results, I suppose, because uh, you've got Rob Bell and, and Alan Simonson on top. They've had a great run from a third at the opening round at Monza, uh, a second at Valencia, which is not a track 
that um, too many people really enjoyed other than Lucky Pierre. No, I did too actually. Um, it's a very technical track. It's a motorbike track and um, when you have a track that's very technical, um, some of the some of the skills that you that you have from from experience actually comes out well. So uh, that comes to our advantage. So your position now in the championship, where are you sitting? We're fourth, sharing a fourth. So we're fourth and fifth, sharing fourth and fifth. Next round, Spa, a track that all drivers love. Yeah, that's for sure. With some reprofiled uh, corners there at uh, at the bus stop. Yeah. And uh, new pits. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, uh, can't think of it, coming, La Source. La Source, it yeah. It's also been reprofiled. Yeah. Obviously the times are going to be better there. I mean, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a tight corner, but that means there will be faster entry speeds before yeah. the famous Eau Rouge. Yeah, possibly. Um, but whether you're going 230 or 235 or 240, it's still a kick to, um, to try and go through there without um, touching the brake or just to, um, uh, to pad it uh, in order to change direction. So uh, yeah, that's one of the thrilling corners uh, in the world, one of the most thrilling corners in the world. Your uh, Dirk Werner will be with you again for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll be running another Porsche uh, 997 yeah. GT3. Yeah. Yeah. Our own. What about you coming down to Australia and doing some races down there? Perhaps if we were to revive the 24-hour uh, of Bathurst. It would be a circuit that you would like to drive? You could certainly count on me. Yes, I've done that PlayStation 550 laps. So I <laughs> Just know exactly before dinner. how it is. Yes, yes, yes. Well, not, I can tell you that no matter no matter how uh, how many times you've you've done that, nothing can prepare you for actually how steep and narrow it really is. No, because I understand The television that. Yeah. always lies and so does the yeah. screen. Yeah, but I, 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 I know the trick. I learned that from Jan Magnussen, right? I mean, he, um, he came down couldn't steer, couldn't brake, couldn't do anything. So he just bounced off the walls all the way down and uh, managed to, to get the car back. Um, I'm not sure if everybody liked that system, but... Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, can't think of Jan being down in Australia other than probably when he was driving for Stuart F1. Because Jan was very much one of these guys who go, like if he hit anything, he'd go, I'll be in the hotel, ring me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> fix it. Yeah. Uh, probably it was a little bit too much too soon for Jan. No, I don't think so. Actually, not. No, I don't think so. Um, it's a lot about timing, uh, and not to make any excuses on behalf of Jan. Um, the Stewart team was uh, in the early days. Um, it was a risky, very risky car to drive. It would brake without warning, um, and uh, it was just not well tested. Um, Jan was very brave to do it. Uh, he got swapped out very often in companies that goes for managers too. Um, top management or board of directors will, will actually analyze that there's something wrong in the company. They'll change the manager and, and instigate some new rules and, and regulations. And uh, you'll find that, that the changes are there and the new manager comes in and being very successful. I think that Jan could, uh, could have done an ex excellent job um, driving uh, for, for Stewart and any other Formula One team. Just as, uh, if I may throw that in, uh, Tom Christensen, who's probably the, uh, the Danish driver has been driving the most kilometer in Formula One. He did most of the pre-testing uh, for Toyota back in Japan. And um, it was just a, a matter of being there too early. Um, but then he has established himself as a sports car driver, um, just as uh, Jan had. So I think all in all, 
uh, it's better to be the world's best sports car driver than be at the back of, uh, of, uh, of a Formula One team. Having said that, um, I think that there are about 19 drivers in Formula One that would be pretty worried at the moment because, uh, well, maybe not 19, but let's <laughs> say 14. Yeah. Because um, Lewis Hamilton really has, you know, been a, a, a huge sensation, and to have a black driver in the sport, which is massively wonderful, because it opens up not only a huge uh, uh, range of new people um, mm. of, uh, of that culture to yeah. get involved, but also the businesses associated with it. But a lot of drivers would have to think to themselves, "Am I any good?" Plus some engineering there as well. But for, for the viewers, like. You also know the, the path that, that Lewis has had. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, once in a zillion years, a star is born. And sometimes they call them Jesus, sometimes it's Lewis. <laughs> what can I say? It's, um, it, it has changed the, the, the mindset of many, many people. Had a long discussion about religion the other day, and uh, I asked uh, someone, how do you now see God? And the person answered, she's probably black. But um, am I too, too up? No, you say yeah. well. You're, no, this is yeah. cool. I've actually made. I've actually discussed <laughs> this with some some black people to, to ask about the correct <laughs> the, the terminology to not offend anyone. And, and, no, and no. please, there is. Yeah, yeah. We, we, no. we very much embrace. So the now, fact that so there now, is a, so a now, some people are, um, are speculating that um, God is actually a woman and she's actually black. So you know, it, it opens up perspectives when uh, when you have someone like Lewis bullshit apart. He's very, very good. From here on, oh, nice. uh, from here on, uh, viewers, uh, episode uh, 61 on. Uh, not only motorsport, a light-hearted look at uh, that technology, barbecues, and a little bit of religion thrown in. We might go to politics later and completely bias the whole listener base, <laughs> but but we'll try not to do that last unless we will. We we'll do that when we get to Copenhagen. But yes, going back to Lewis. Yeah, how would a driver of a professional, you know, a professional driver who's also competing? at that level who is you know they're struggling like let's look at Mark Webber for yeah. example who's the mm. Australian would he ha it, they'd have to be doing their head in a little wouldn't it well I, I would I would be more worried if my first name was Alonso and I came from Spain yes I because mean, it's a direct the, comparison he was the spoken champ um, the, the new saver and um, he drives the same car at least that's what they say. He insists on it, but uh, well, he proved that he can actually drive fast, and he did win the last race. So uh, good on him. We do know that you know that's that's fair, but a little bit it needs to be clarified, Lars, because only five years ago, maybe six, he was driving for Minardi for, for Paul Stoddard, and we all knew that that was a struggling team. Where also um, uh, Mark Webber got his first first yeah. start. So, but he came through the ranks very quickly, and he did. He, he delivered, and um, and Flavio Briatore provided the right equipment, and, and, and everything was right. The synergies was there. There's no two ways about. It, you know, there is no driver on the grid there in F1 that's no good. Some just, you know, the scenarios that just don't allow them to either to win on the day, or the the energies aren't right, or the the whole logistic. But when you get a direct one-on-one -on -one comparison, like what you're saying here, yeah. um, there's 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 no option, is there? No, and um, it's not that he's bad. Hamilton. It's just yeah, and and maybe even more important, um, he's consistent. He's terribly consistent. 
And um, even though that he will be slowing down um, to, to save his third place, um, like he did in the last race, he's still there. He, he can be a threat, um, but he uses his mind and, and everything he has, all the senses, to make sure that car actually comes through. I think that's, uh, that's very, very good. I can think of a lot of other drivers who would push, push, push to see how close they could actually get to number one. He didn't do that. He just sat there very quietly, drove his own race, and uh, knew that if he kept that pace uh, he had, uh, and he probably could drive faster, he would be third. And this is all about points. Two years ago, Kaki Rosberg's son, Nico Rosberg, came into the sport. Um, the very first time he went out, uh, it was not a, an Australian Grand Prix, it was a Bahrain Grand Prix that was, I think, the first one. I think his first practice session fastest. Yet, on the weekend, 18th. And where is Nico Rosberg these days? Now, we all know he's a good steer. No. Is he mentally demoralised? Are other drivers becoming mentally demoralised? Could be, but I also think that um, it's, it's an encouragement. Uh, to see someone really, really driving fast, uh, otherwise it gets too easy. They have all the excuses, and race drivers have a lot of excuses. Um, the stopwatch is, is, uh, is a ruler, so uh, you do well, you, you win. If you don't, you, uh, you're too slow. Miss Bruce Vegas, are you having a nice holiday here? Over? I am. It's nice to relax here. It's, it's been like quite busy in um, Montalcino with the wedding it was a lot of partying and, and um, Brunello drunk so it's nice to relax here by the beautiful beautiful, the water, everything it's just like the house, everything is beautiful Yeah, so it's really really nice that's lovely to speak to you, could you go and get us another beer please thanks, <laughs> now uh, Lars um, you, you, you've got a little bit going on in, uh, in the Maldives sure. um, uh, any tsunamis lately? no not, not to speak of I mean, we had one a couple of years ago, but it's all forgotten, except for the insurance companies and um, the operators. <laughs> they still got. haven't paid. <laughs> well, they've paid, but um, we've, we had to uh, we had to change insurance companies. They were not happy about that one. Well, I mean, what what it really is is that it's an act of God, isn't it? Is, isn't that what they call? The yeah, Lord? and do, do they um, not pay on these things. I had um, I have to shamely admit that when I got the report first. I asked about the people, number one, and when I got off the phone, I went straight for the insurance policy. And um, we have uh, we have assets uh, at the hotel of about thirty million dollars, and um, with the aircraft, uh, twenty of them at a million and a half, um, plus inventory, it's about forty to fifty million dollars um, worth of, of um, air operation we have floating, floating yes. And, um, and I was very happy to see that my deductible uh, specifically mentioned that in cases of of um, of natural catastrophes like catastrophes, you try an SMS yeah, that, yeah, yeah, try that That's one, a yeah, a lot of problems. There we a go, big, problems, big dramas, big, big dramas. <laughs> catastrophes, <laughs> catastrophes, including tsunamis, would bump my. My deductible up by one thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> we were talking Look. damages between uh, five and ten million uh, in, in in both cases. Yeah, for well. the hotel that I have uh, uh, or part of investment group and uh, the airline that I run. If you um, if you've uh, ever been a fan of the TV show Dallas, 
yeah. with, uh, with uh, Larry Hagman who played JR. JR, yeah, yeah. Well, I learned a lot of business from there, and as his daddy said, <laughs> if I can't get in the front door, goddamn, I'll go around the back. Yeah. And so that's a bit of a way that the uh, um, the insurance uh, companies sort of get that's you. That's true. Wait, uh, tell us a little. Funny, I have a different quote that I distinctly remember from that. <laughs> what can, is I, that? can I can I share that with you? Certainly. The well, viewers. Yeah, the viewers. Dear viewers, here's here's the uh, the scene that I remember best. That's JR sitting in bed with some broth, and Sue Ellen comes in, and he asks her straight to her face, Do you believe your own lying eyes, or do you trust me? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty gross. I thought it was over and above. <laughs> of course, Sue Ellen went out and had another drink. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah and, and stood there wondering, well, yeah, maybe I'm seeing something. Wrong. Yeah. When talked down with that, nothing but a half-cut brother, <laughs> Ray Cribs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Cliff Barnes, if you're listening, you're a loser. Right. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Oh, yeah. Tell us about what's going on down there. You, you got a, an interesting resort. Yeah. You, apparently, you're going down there. You haven't been there forever. No one loves you anymore. But you're going down to give them a bit of love. Oh, sure. I had to go there four or five times a year. And uh, it's called the resort, the resort is called the one and only Kanahura. K-A-N-U-H-U-R dot com. You'll get you it, viewers, one and only. That is O-N-E and O-N-E. Own O-N-E or what? Yeah, you'll, yeah. you'll figure it out. Yeah. Google one it. OneAndOnlyResorts.com. Yeah. That's and, another way uh, to do it. Yep. And, and um, it's a nice five-star resort that we built six years ago. It looks about 5.5. Yeah. But I don't want to brag. You've got to leave room for growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we are it's on the nice. shitty, shitty coast. Yeah, it, it's nice. Um, I was together with a Malaysian um, one time, he had this big 150-meter um, uh, boat, and there was a picture, and he was, no, 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 he was, I mean, he, was, he was, right, and there was a big audience, and he, he said, well, this is my boat, and uh, I, all I could re reply was, well, it's my island behind, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll flip you. <laughs> yeah, I'll flip you. Well, actually, um, the, the boat is so much more expensive than the island. But it's a, it's a $30, $40 million property that, uh, that we built. Um, it's really, really nice. It's good for holidays. And the only way to get there is on board my airline, which consists of um, 20 uh, twin oils, all on floats. And we have 300 people working at uh, MaldivianAirTaxi.com. But don't <laughs> worry, viewers. One lucky viewer on episode 65 will be winning a free lunch with Lars at the resort if they choose to go. Lars will be there specifically Absolutely. at lunch with you and he'll Absolutely. even pick up the bill for, for lunch. I'll, he won't pick I up the bill the, for getting you there. I fly you there free of charge. That is once you got to the Maldives. Oh there you go. Yeah, it's part of the deal. deal. Alright okay deal. just stand by because we'll be telling you over the next few episodes after we formulate how we're going to do that. Yeah, sure. How are we going to do that? I don't know. It's your problem, <laughs> not mine. Can't. I'll just get the Just guess. sign the check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and talking of big boats, uh, there's some big ones down the road. Yeah. One of the places to, to go and watch this uh, is actually in Antip Antipas. Um, you think you've seen big boats, uh, but you haven't really seen anything until you get to Antipas and go to the old harbour. I, um, I once had a good friend who um, was a captain on, on a boat, and I came to visit. I went to the um, um, uh, to the uh, people that looks after the boats and asked for for this and this uh, boat. 
I said, we don't have a boat like this here. It's not in the, in the register, registry. And I said, well, it has to be. So I said, oh, but that's not a boat. It's a ship. You have to go up further. They do and get uppity about that. You don't. Yeah. They don't like to be called boats because you know what boat stands for, Lars. I've told you before. Yeah. Bring out yeah. another thousand, stupid. Right. And the best boats. Whose boats? The best boat. Someone else's. That's true. It's cheaper. Yeah. It's much more fun. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So we're going to go down to Antibes and have a bit of a look. Uh, you're jetting off. Um, where are you jetting off tomorrow? Where are you going? Copenhagen. Oh, that's right. Back to the yeah. rain. Back to the rain. Before you go um, uh, to the stuff with uh, Christina to yeah. see the, the race there, but in between, and it's all condensed because we're going to catch up in about two and a half weeks' time for yeah, the street, isn't that the, street, the, street <laughs> the street race. Um, you're going down for a little bit of a testy view in Malaysia because you've got a hot, oh. sweaty 12 hour race coming up in yeah. 50 degree, 99% humid. Humidity, yes. You like that's that? Not too bad. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those that you that you probably will be happy to survive. Um, it is very warm. It starts at eleven o'clock in the morning and ends at eleven o'clock in the evening. It was scheduled to start eleven o'clock in the evening and end at eleven o'clock in the morning, but uh, someone figured out that uh, there won't be any spectators, and so who cares about drivers as long as we get spectators? So um, we're going to get there with uh, with my last year Le Mans car, the nine nine six RSR. It's already on its way and will. Uh, will arrive in the next two or three days. So I go there on my way to the Maldives to, um, to set it up and test it um, to come back end of August for the race. And formulate the plan of the, the lucky listener, viewer, sorry, viewers, yeah. that uh, will have that uh, lunch. Surely. A single prawn, perhaps. Yeah. So um, you've been to the Sipang track before? No, this will be a first. But you've seen it. It's a, a really oh. quite a, 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 a marvel of of yeah. engineering design it is, and it is the uh, I was involved with uh, with this circuit back in 2001 to create the branding for uh, for the Panos organization which Don Panos which owned the American Le Mans, Le Mans series or the Le Mans excuse me the concept outside of, of France and uh, it was uh, you're giving orders. I'm asking quietly if I can have my mobile phone because I'm expecting someone. Yeah, well, let's carry on. Yeah, let's carry that's on. okay. And because we don't edit, we never edit. No, of course it's, not. It's a non-editable show. Yeah. But you'll find that the <laughs> that the, 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 the stands, the office, I believe. you know, the big. Yeah. What they are, if you look down on them, are a hibiscus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. this is, and no one from Malaysia or any of the tourism companies could tell us. And we built this, the branding and the website for the race of a thousand, no, the race of champions. Yeah. But it was cancelled um, mm -hmm. due to the 9-11 uh, tragedy yeah. that happened in yeah. New York. Anyway, that should be fun. Uh, last night we had a few friends over for dinner. Uh, sure. One of the little, one of the young men who was there with us, uh, was I noticed he was reading a book about yeah. um, Field Marshal uh, Rommel. Yes, exactly. Um, little did he know that uh, my dad had actually served uh, in the uh, the sixth uh, battalion in Africa uh, with against Rommel uh, for the Allies, and yeah. um, got him on the phone. And I think I made his uh, to dad back in Australia and had a bit of a chat. I think I made that that, that young man's uh, man's night. I've, as I've never seen that young lad stand up straight um, like a soldier for for, for for the twenty minutes that um, he was listening 
very, very careful. 20 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to be buying a fortune for those roaming calls. Yeah, it's a roaming call. It's, it, is, it was expensive. And um, I think what, he was really, really impressed with the fact that um, your, your father saw um, Mussolini die. But, you know. Why is the internet so bad here in San Rafael? We can only get 56k dial-up. What's going on? I mean, you look around, there's like a zillion dollars on boats, but you can't get any decent web services. Well, it's because in the boats they have the direct links. It's just for us unfortunate uh, <laughs> land, not land unfortunate property, viewers. Property there holders. won't be a gallery, but uh, <laughs> we'll continue. Well, there could be, actually. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see Don't it on Christie's. Yeah. But you won't yeah. see it. Or Rob uh, Report. Uh, Rob Report. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a nice place, but um, the uh, the cover in the ground is very old. And um, the distance French. from the exchange also attenuates the signal, so which means that yeah. you, you it's need just, amplifiers. It's just poor. It's just poor. But it's you know in Italy a couple of days ago I was down in a little island called Ingilio, yeah. um, an absolutely gorgeous, uh, gorgeous spot yeah, in, indeed. Um, but I had to give a full security check to, on this tiny little island, photo stats of my license and and, and sure. passport to use the internet is is this normal in Europe are they as it a, is it something that's happened since 9/11 is it a, a security thing I don't think so it's it's you have to understand that uh, the um, the uh, it, Italy is big and 90% of the industry and the cross-national uh, product is made near um, Milan and uh, Torino and those places. So when you go down to Rome, it becomes extremely rural, and they just have a different approach. They are not up with, with this. Of course, you go Rome Center. Yes, it's metropolitan, but um, everything out there is uh, is just not good so old, good. good old, yeah, good old Italy, like it was 200 years ago. Traveling across to Il Giglio, I was on a boat, and it was a lovely boat. Um, for about an hour, a ferry, which was very good service, and you could put your car on it. Um, there were some wonderful seabirds flying through the air, and uh, they uh, they would, would would hang there in the air, just like yeah. like stationary and just them. gliding. And they were yes, I would hold up a chip, and off it would go, and pick yeah. the chip up, and, and I catch did that it. as a kit too. The uh, the. <laughs> The, um, oh, you were nice. With, you enjoyed times playing with birds as well. Oh yes, we uh, we we had a game. It was uh, one of my friends who invented something eatable, uh, but the contents were such that when it interacted with the um, with the um, with the acid in the stomach, it exploded. Can you actually like clarify that? Well, what are you I'd saying? I'd rather not. What do you mean? It you... looks. It, it's an ugly thing to see a seagull explode. Uh, right next well, to there are, <laughs> are a lot of them uh, in yeah, deep, so it's 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 mean and it's not nice and it was done yeah, <laughs> and I'm many many years yeah many many years ago <laughs> I, I love animals and I I despite this but uh, we did it anyway what about lobsters for dinner lobsters for dinner oh we're getting that one well Singapore the best possible club you could ever wish to go to best possible kitchen best possible head waiter asking me if I would like fresh lobster oh indeed I said it would be very nice I was not paying myself like the boats are best when there was someone else 
So he brought in the lobster, black as they are, wonderful with the tentacles sitting there, going wing, 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 all moving. And um, then in the uh, next half hour or so, we were brought multiple dishes as they do in Asia, small dishes, just keeps coming. Whilst the lobster relaxed on the side of the table watching the view. Yes, actually it was. It was just sitting there, you know, and finally he, uh, the, the head waiter came to ask me, would you not like your lobster? Oh, she, oh yes, indeed, if you would please go and cook it. <laughs> then with the biggest disgrace, he took my chopsticks and started to to um, to, to peel the um, the tail, which was already pre-cut, as sushi. So uh, not only did I have lobster sushi, I had it from a live lobster. I then asked him to at least remove the upper body. Uh, he it removed, was a live lobster that it, was just like had been made a few incisions, just taken out of the tank, put there for you to eat as it was alive. Yes, that's not very nice. It was not very nice. No, so um, it would put you off the meal. It uh, ended very, very rapidly. How did it end? With an extra sake, and then uh, <laughs> we are to forget. Uh, the uh, the chef was uh, oh, impressed. He was, he was very impressed. He took the um, the lobster by the tentacles and went onto the kitchen without closing the door. He lifted up the garbage uh, lid and let it down, you know, from from two meters up. So it made a big bang. Looked at me in disgrace and turned around. That I was such a Un, unhappy, ungraceful, or grateful um, client that he would never serve me again. Well, I, uh, I I know that you did make amends with him and had a little bit of a chat after dinner, and you've offered him a job in your one of your new um, satellite companies in Antarctica, <laughs> and uh, I believe he's accepted that with a one-way ticket. Yes, it's uh, in regard to his family. Uh, I have a lot of grief, but. Uh, well, you, you, you're part of lobster, you're part of waiter. So that's life. Well, as viewers, as you've known, uh, there's a website that that kind of a chef should visit, and it's gf.com, and you can work out what the GF means. Right, now, moving along, because we're just about going to wrap this up, mate, uh, because you've got some people coming in. <laughs> I've got to get back on the friggin' barbecue again. The uh, the Canon, the, the XS75 little camera, uh, you've been a bit impressed with this. I have to say, if this would be a commercial, I would certainly say that the XS75 is extremely impressive. As you went down to uh, to the beaches this morning, I went straight to the website to see if I could buy one, and I've got some great news for you. There's, there's an, an XS76. There's a, there's an XS85. No way! Are you? I'll be Ti slash diesel. No, it's not the diesel, but it is an IFI. It's direct fuel injection. Um, it will arrive before we leave tomorrow. Are you serious? Yes, absolutely. Oh, oh. What Isn't is the nice? difference between the 85 and the 75? I have no clue. If I can shop the, swap the shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the competitive nature of a, a professional uh, racing car driver that's um, yeah. slightly professional. Yeah. Um, I had a bit of a bag problem, as you know, earlier on, and I'd like to say, um, at last, uh, here we are, I'd like to hand you back uh, the, the clothes you were very kind enough to, to lend does, me. Does that include my underwear? <laughs> Stop it, will you? <laughs> They're going to think more about the name of this place being called a gay. <laughs> a gay? Oh, that's where we are. We, we didn't pronounce it that way, right? Well, isn't that how you say it? Absolutely, what, a gay. I don't see anything yeah, gay about yeah, it at all. Yeah. It's gay abandoned. Yeah. 
So, uh, but I didn't, I didn't mention my Nala stockings. Should I do that now? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <No>. Tamara. <laughs> Tamara, are you listening in? She'll be listening. That's cool. All right, okay. I love well, you still. Yes, we both do. Fighting over here. Yeah. You're still the best. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeans and jewels. Um, Copenhagen. Hello. Pre preview. Ooh. Mate, uh, you know more about this. So you saw Rob uh, Sherrard uh, on the little video this morning uh, who will be bringing yeah. his 962C and his long mm -hmm. 270. What's the go? Come on. I can't get, you know, Alan is a man of very few SMS words at the moment because he's in England yeah. uh, with Hector no, doing GT3. First, I have to say, I have the lap record for the uh, Copenhagen Grand Prix. Just, you should remind Alan of this. Was that in the GT3? RSR, yes. My Le Mans car from last year. Okay. It's um, 29.99 seconds. But that's, you, you said the track has become longer. Yes. So that's just, be a, a that's just around the beer tent, 29 it is, seconds. It is. It's, it's a one kilometer. Uh, 1.1 or 1.2 kilometer. But they have extended it a little. They have to be uh, a little bit more than twice. Okay, good. So, so that's you know, a normal. You know, for, for for a race course like this, a one kilometer means that there's always traffic, which for the public is great. Now they have to wait five or six seconds. Now, six obviously, seconds. you can't get into the traffic there very easily because you know it's it's busy all the time. And I've noticed that they have some um, some new techniques in slowing the traffic down with the the, the girls with the sign. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Is right. Is that uh, that that happened to show off their finer upper features? The, yes. the, the white pointers yeah. of Denmark. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 worldwide now. It is true. Of course, you've seen it in video. I did. Yeah. So seeing is believing. There you go. Yeah. So uh, Grand Prix, Copenhagen Grand Prix has grown into an institution, and um, I think that uh, we'll be seeing a race series in Europe where eight uh, different cities uh, will actually have um, classical Grand Prix in the next three or four years, and um, it all comes out of Copenhagen actually. What, what is the eligibility of the cars? What is the what is it all about? What type of cars are we trying to get to it? Old trash that looks good. But they're racing them like, you know, they were new cars. And they crash them, they trash them, they fight. It's a real, real race. It's unbelievable um, how much is put in, uh, how much effort is put into this. And they just go totally nuts. Is Tommy Sahato invited? I think everybody who has an, uh, uh, an oldie has been invited. Let's see. I hope not. Well, we'll look forward to that in a, in a few weeks' time, and yeah. uh, there'll be a there'll be a bit of bit of fun and games and lead up and some small broad. There'll be some small broad, yeah. Small broad, the open day sandwiches. sandwiches. Tell yeah. the viewers about this and also about the barbecuing last night a little more because we have another one to go now with who is arriving. We have another racing car driver yeah, coming in the door. Yeah, Boma Comic from England. They're also driving Ferrari. The losing crowd, you know, but what to do, right? Ferrari's got to try, now they're cheating with, with uh, illegal rubber, I think, and so on. But we won't mention this on, on uh, for the viewers, no, will we? No. No, no way. Not one of the 60,000, or 62,000. Here you go. Our listeners will actually mention this. No. Hey, um, barbecue. Barbecue, yeah. well, it's a Danish tradition. We are the biggest uh, market for, uh, for Weber grills outside the States. And um, that's even though that we only have 5.5 million um, um, viewers or inhabitants in, in Denmark, um, 
But I have to say that uh, the job you did yesterday from this uh, meter and a half uh, half horse called a cow, I think, as well. Um, you did an excellent job, and I can heartily, very, very heartily recommend um, the, um, the author here. If you need someone, a good chef, call him, he'll arrive and he'll roast you the best uh, piece of meat you can, you can imagine. But leave a mess. Oh, certainly, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll burn down the house, it's easier than to clean it. We'll do that tonight. Yes, absolutely, because I'll be doing a runner in the morning and you sent me off on a, on a bit of a Napoleon's uh, goose chase yeah. up the back through Grenoble and up to Lake Annecy to Verrier, uh, yeah. back again yeah. to the French yeah. Uh, Lake. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and I, and I told your girlfriend to um, to start running also. She, she'll, she'll now run 10 kilometers every day. Why is this? Yeah, I don't know. You know what the advantage is? After 10 days, she's 100 kilometers away. But, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> well, she's not here. I can tell this, right? <laughs> she never listens to the show, do you? And I can just see uh, JP. You'll be having a chuckle away there, right at this moment. Uh, say good day to JP. Hello, JP. JP, uh, Linda, and, uh, and Mark, Linda. Mark, and Mark. all the, all the, and Amber, and, uh, and, and Amber. all those people back in Australia. Jag Earl's good, and Marcus Sakanovic. We've got a supercar race coming up with uh, one of my guys, Super uh, Mark Sakanovic. He's doing really good in it, and uh, yeah, we're one hour eight into it. Isn't it quick? Isn't it fun how our time passes quickly? Now we're going to wrap this up, but um, uh, probably in another five minutes. But uh, a little bit of practice before for the Copenhagen G uh, GP, yeah. mate. I had a little bit yesterday coming through Genova. It was like tunnel pinball, like the roads and the tunnels. There must have been two hundred plus tunnels there to is. come through. Yeah, and the uh, the interesting is not. Genova, it's Genova. 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 Uh, Genova. Genova, no, that's Chernobyl. That's where the... Uh, <laughs> right, so... It's not Genova. Alright, so it's Genova. <laughs> and yes, it's a great experience. Have a car. We've got a bit of video. Yeah. We're going to put that up for the listeners. Yeah, that's great, that's great. But that that's only a fraction of what you actually see. I, um, I made a new record, I think, uh, last summer. I was up at uh, Monza Racing and had to come back for dinner here. It was a late dinner at uh, 9 o'clock and it took me um, 2 hours and 41 minutes. From Monza to here? Yes. Without a ticket? Without a ticket. <laughs> Which is more than you can say for leaving Le Mans <laughs> in a shitty little golf where we got a nice little escort and they relieved 494 million euro off you. Yeah, well, they, they just wanted an autograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for the, for the viewers, uh, if you, if you do arrive in in France and uh, you go 169, where you're only supposed to go 130, it'll cost you, I would say, only 90 euro. 169. That's 100 off my lucky number. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah. You know what 68 is? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. <laughs> you go down on me and I'll owe you one. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> Stop it. All right. <laughs> right. Okay. So yes. Uh, finally, a little bit of wine. We were down at this wedding in uh, in Montalcino in Italy yeah. at uh, a, uh, a huge uh, uh, winery called Argiano, which is actually owned by Contessa Cinzano. The drink now Cinzano was uh, made famous in Australia by none other than a, a tennis player, 
uh, John Newcomb. Yeah. Beauty Nuke, as they used to say, but it is it is gone. No one drinks it. It's very no. unfashionable. Yeah. You can't even get an ashtray with Chinzano Isn't on it. Isn't that terrible? Down yes, there. They were great. They were great ashtrays. <laughs> Someone shitty, 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 shitty sweet wine. Uh, but but great. Rosso Antico. Absolutely great. Yeah. But what's the story with that? It's a very old European brand, isn't it? Oh, the yes, but it, it it's out of fashion, like Dubonnet and uh, um, what's this other red stuff? Um, Pims? Campari. 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 Yeah, you, you hardly ever see Campari. Yes. But I think um, the the wines have been marketed so much better, and they're taking over this uh, this whole market. And she's she's smart, uh, switching to to the winery. Well, I didn't know that these were Sangiovese grapes, but they just, as I said earlier in the show, that uh, something you can drink at lunchtime. Do you enjoy the Montalcino products? Yeah, sure. I love it. <laughs> right. Well, and the final thing before we go, Lars, because we won't talk about Sarah Keeley, who's one of the girls, who was came along to the wedding. Now, she is actually a, an Adelaide girl. Oh. who came to the wedding that I don't know but would you believe it in Italy I know her father really well who owns a big agency yeah, an advertising agency called KWP it was Killy Willy Punchin but the P the Punchin disappeared and became <laughs> Killy Willy Partners right. had an exclamation mark on the end anyway and we went chart blah 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 and she said what's the name of your company I said it's called Hot Lap she said what cock up <laughs> I went yeah. well where's that going Right. I don't know but, but Hello, yeah, Dad. I yeah, I, I'm a granddad now. Granddad now. And um, I've never really figured out what what um, pick a boo is. It's pick a boo. It's like I can see you know Yeah, yeah, but uh, why would they see pick a boo? See, that's where the accent comes in when, when Danes don't really understand the language. Pick a boo, it's pick a boo. I got that now. But they had to become a granddad before I actually understood that. But that's the same. That's the same problem you had. And you're only 48. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Le Mans series. It's yeah. a team sport. It's not a driver sport. But it's all about getting an entry into the 24 hour for the following year, really, isn't it? And yeah. drivers might swap and combine during the year. It's how do you play that mentally? Because many people want want to win it. Because the, the the two drivers that are together paired up for the six races, with the final being in Interlagos. I think. Yeah. Are you going to Interlagos? Absolutely. We're going to have a party. Absolutely. I think we need to do something for a few days there in Brazil. Don't take any fine watches, because oh, well, I believe no. it'll be. We'll, we'll, no, I won't no, take we'll, a bag. What's we'll, the point? We'll, we'll, we'll take some there. Yeah, we should well, do that. I, we can get fine watches really, really cheap. Cheap. The ones someone else has stolen. Absolutely. We can buy them. Yeah. <laughs> so don't take our own. We'll look like customers. Um, both there are generally, like, the two winners on the podium have identical points. Yeah. So... It's that a, does it's not at all. No. That is really, really not uh, what, what matters. Because the entry to Le Mans is the team's entry. It's not the driver's entry. It's the team. And um, so it's nice to, to claim the fame and be uh, the, uh, the driver with the most points. But it's not like Formula One. It is the team that actually gets this. There will be points for the, for the drivers as well, but that doesn't take you anywhere. So um, you can actually miss a race uh, as long as the team doesn't miss a race. 
and that's the most important thing. So um, if anyone has that problem, go and do something else in Australia and um, come back and uh, continue and uh, be part of uh, the next year's um, Le Mans. Because it does take it does take a first place at Le Mans series um, to have an invitation uh, for Le Mans the following year. There's so much we could talk about, you know, the, uh, the arrival of diesels and the, the quietness of them as they whistle past you in the dark that you can't see them because they're down yeah. very low. Yeah. Um, the, 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 but it's time to move on and say thanks for listening, viewers, to episode of, Ray, of Radio Hot episode 60. Episode, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud to be part of this. Oh, Lars, and I'm just... sure that I'll be there again in 20 years when all have recovered and new listeners have come too. The viewers will be joint. That's right. The listeners. When we go to video, we'll have the listeners. Right. But only the viewers. Yeah. Our audio. As we look into the distance here, uh, with Saint-Tropez on the right and Khan on the left, in the distance, a a, a four-engined Martini Formula One offshore powerboat race is going on. Uh, You can faintly hear the engines, and I can only think of Didier Peroni was a great driver. He was. And a, and a, and a great boatsman. Thanks, Lars. Cheers. See ya, viewers.